Hi, this is Dean Leacock, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus podcast. Yep. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. I'm J-Mag, your host. Anyone else bored yet? One point in a potential 18 and we're nearly out of our winnable games phase. To put that in some perspective, we had five points in six games in the 18-19 season. The football is dull, slow, blunt, unimaginative, leaderless, all fart and no poop. And in my opinion, as useless as decorating your bed with the quilt and half a dozen cushions, no matter how pretty it looks, it's not helping you to fussing sleep better. The positivity preceding this game of grabbing three points eroded quickly in under 10 minutes once again into a negative, shocking display at the cottage where our old friend Sir Roy outfoxed Scott Parker to a T. Here to talk to me about this, to either stoke the fire within us or cool it down, albeit slightly, are two men I'd happily play the violin with as the Titanic slowly sinks. Morgan Colton and Matthew Baldwin, PPV, piss poor viewing. Let's go. Fulham. Right, lads, I'm I'm still unhappy about this, and I don't know about you. So if we keep the game analysis as brief as we can, that'd be swell. Uh and we can chat about how knee-jerk we're feeling or to sum it up afterwards. But anyway, speaking of jerk, Baldo, uh, there was one change to the lineup from the team that started at Sheffield United uh, with Mario Lamina making his first Premier League start for the club in place of Ivan Cavallero, who is struggling with a hamstring injury. Hmm. It's good to see a bit of consistency in the lineup at last, would you say? Yeah, consistency to some extent, obviously. We're trying to limit as, you know get down to as fewer changes in the lineup as we possibly can. I've said this countless times before, but, you know, the best times, you know, at Fulham were the days, you know, back in 2008, 2009, when we more or less had an unchanged side, I think like 25 times throughout that season. So the sooner that Scott Parker works out what his best team is, the better, because that's only going to produce better play. <laughs> and obviously, obviously it just didn't come for us today, unfortunately. But yesterday, you- rather. Sorry, my bad. No, or whenever, really, whenever people are listening to it. Morgan, my friend, what were your thoughts on the lineup, mate? It was interesting to see who was going to fill in that right-sided role, wasn't it? Personally, I would have quite liked the idea of seeing uh, Lookman go over that side and then bring Joe Bryan into the uh, left-wing spot just because Mitro thrives off that, you know, the Bryan Bulls, so to speak. And just because having Carey sort of uh, playing in that number 10 role, we had that article written by uh, Luke, our newcomer, the other day talking about how his new deeper role was suiting him to a T. And it's a shame that, uh, you know, having seen how well he played against Sheffield United, he's been straight back into the position that he, you know, he could have played, but he wasn't playing particularly well um, and pushing Loftus-Cheek out to the right, where, you know, arguably he was uh, far less effective. Yeah. But I would have, yeah, I would have liked to have seen Brian play that left wing spot. I would have liked to see Lutman on the right, even if it's slightly out of position for him. I think he's playing well enough to have been able to handle it and then have Kenny Angisa and then Loftus-Cheek behind uh, Mitro. But, I mean, fair play to Kenny. He did have a good game. So, you know, that's not the worst part of that performance yesterday. Uh, the rest of the team, yeah, I mean, all fine. 
We'll we'll talk we'll talk about Kenny later on. I think I disagree with you ever so slightly. He had a good game, but we'll, we'll come to that. I've got to say that Ruben Loftus Cheek on the right in uh, you know relatively. I think we've got to speak in this. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, all right. But I, I think Ruben Loftus Cheek on the right was a strange one for me because he he played on the left wing for Crystal Palace a few years ago, and he played about about nine times, and he played on the right. I think about two times according to transfer market.com and I, I'm just surprised that he was put there and I, I think he just didn't influence the game as well as he could on that side uh, not that I wanted Tom Kearney on the right either I was just really mystified about how we were going to do this but let, let's just talk about it because at the start we actually looked quite good I thought we I thought we looked very obviously we're passing lows like we always do but it was a bright start from us but it's just eight minutes eight minutes in Zaha splits the Fulham defense open and Ryderwald gave Palace a lead in the eighth minute. And it's the same old story for me. I mean, just Aina just not getting close enough to Zaha at all um, after the deflection. It's it's just absolutely comical defending in my eye. And I'm just really getting... You've got Tom Kenny, as we were just talking about. He was just pointing at the runner and just didn't do anything about it, almost insisting that sort of maybe Lamina should be going after it. Just talk to me about this goal, Morgan. It was just so frustrating after the nice start we had, wasn't it? Let's think you say we had a good start to the game. And in my eyes, a good start to the game is the first 20 minutes. We okay. played well for that first six minutes of the game. And it looks like, you know, we had control of the control of it. We look like we're going to play some nice stuff again. And it's just so it turns so quickly. And when that first I mean, we must have set a record now for teams to have conceded in uh, the first 10 minutes. Must be. yeah, must do. I mean, it's 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 crazy. And is it lack of concentration? Is it lack of quality? Is it lack of confidence? It could be a whole host of things, but it's happening time and time again. And you just got to wonder uh, what is being said to these players about when they start the game. And this is the thing. It's just like you know, however much praise or you know, uh, not even praise, but how much backing you give to Parker through this season or through you know this difficult period you've got to look at it and go come on mate I mean seriously you've got to get these players ready for this if they're low on confidence you use your managing uh, management skills to build their confidence and make sure that in this first 10 15 20 minutes of the game they are so switched on that they will not let silly mistakes like this happen and it was a very simple goal all fairness to Zahar he's a great player very skillful but he should not have been sort of ghosting through our players like that and mm. Rydal, whatever his name is, Ryder Wald. Um, you know, it was yeah. simple for him. So you say that, Morgan, and, you know, it's. I actually think it was actually a pretty good goal. I, I think, like most Fulham fans, whenever we concede a goal, we're looking for someone to blame just because of how bad yeah. everything is at the moment. But in all honesty, I think that was just a perfectly... It was just a well-worked goal. The pass was excellent. Yeah, the pass looked great. Good passing. I mean, you've got players sort of there who should be so... They're not... They're fresh. They shouldn't be uh, able to let someone just go past them like that or allow little sort of, you know, the ball to come in. They should be so switched on, especially defensively, and they should be making sure that they stop that ball, you know, at all costs. They've got enough legs at that point in the game to be able to do that. Yeah, you don't give Zaha that amount of time. I mean, you just there, there wasn't enough pressure on him at all. This is the guy that we all knew. We were all talking about it in the group beforehand. What are we going to do about Zaha? How would you, you know, who would you have marking it? All that kind of thing. And just instantly not enough pressure on him. And he creates a lovely yeah. sideways pass like that. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, Border, do you it's have no anything to add? It's no secret how good he is, is he? 
So. Yeah, no, I mean, of course not. Of course not. I mean, it's just, I wish we were sort of man-marking a bit more. It just seems so, so fucking zonal again, and it just, it looks ridiculous. It always seems to me that we're attempting a really shit offside trap. What do you think, Baldo? I mean, just, I mean, you just think it was a good goal, or you don't think that we just could have done a lot better from that situation? Well, I think, obviously, we could have done better, but I think it, this was just one of those times. Maybe it's just me sort of accepting the inevitable and, you know, everything's going to be better because they're playing us. But I, in this particular instance, don't want it to be totally, you know, let's just shit on the defence, as it were. Let's okay. give Palace some level of credit because I think, personally, it was just a very well-worked goal. All right. Okay. I, well, I think I think you can give them credit because, you, as you said, you know, it's a piece of skill from a very good player. It's a you know, clinical finish, if you like. But I mean, come on. It's. it's I a think we're giving runner. credit. We're we're giving credit just to cover our backs a bit in that respect. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. It's. I think it's shocking. Um, let's move on to something that looked good, albeit briefly. I mean, uh, Lookman. I mean, I thought he started very brightly. It fizzled out a bit. He looked excellent, actually. I mean, he hit the post once on the left, on the left side, uh, on the left side of the post, and then he hit the post again on the right side. And you know, he he slowly fizzled out. He lost his confidence after that. I think personally, uh, the second time after 25 minutes or so, uh, the rebound when it hits the right side of the post, the second time it hits the post, Mitrovic completely skies it. And are we in danger here? I don't think we've. Is this the first time we've seen Mitrovic look this out of form, do you think, Morgs? I feel like this is quite scary times uh, <laughs> for him. And what's even more terrifying is we didn't, we don't have a backup striker. So I just don't really, it's quite worrying. I don't know if he, do you think this is the worst patch he's had for us? Yeah, I, certainly the worst patch. I mean, uh, obviously two seasons ago when we're in the Premier League, kind of, it was just awful anyway. So maybe he did have a couple of bad games. We just didn't realise as much. But these ones have been particularly apparent because obviously we're watching on TV as well. So every action can be, you know, carefully uh, scrutinised. Uh, yes. When you're at the game, it's not quite the same. Um, but in this case, he just, yeah, you're right. He looks massively low on confidence. He is probably massively frustrated as well because of the service he's getting. Uh, and, you know, okay, a lot of these things, uh, a lot of the misses have been his fault, you know, penalty, you know, stuff against Sheffield United and all that. Um, but I think he's got to get his head straight pretty quick. He might be tired, you know, like a lot yeah. of these players, they haven't had any time off as he, his international um, schedule as well is pretty intense. I mean, he doesn't get, I mean, I think, I think he was on the bench for one Serbia game, but I mean, he's doing a lot of traveling with them. And he does, I think he probably just needs a rest now for a bit. But I mean, we can't do that, obviously, because we don't have a backup. No. And so I'm going to sort of, you know, obviously I want to give him the benefit, benefit of the doubt because he's one of the best strikers we've had at Fulham in our time. Um, sure. But he, he's, he's going to struggle, I think, if he, you know, if he doesn't sort of get a couple of goals in the next, you know, few weeks. Um, from his personal point of view, he will struggle. Um, obviously, as a team, we're already struggling. Um, so I think he just needs to do something. Parker needs to get his arm around him, have a word with him. You know, maybe he needs to do something special. Maybe give him a few days off the training ground or whatever. We know exactly what he has to do. He's, he'll be fit enough. He just needs to possibly recharge the batteries a bit, which no one has had time to do. So maybe it's that. Maybe it is just a massive drop in confidence, which he there is no way of dealing with that in such a short space of time. I don't think he just needs to start scoring goals. Baldo, how concerned are you about Mitrovic? Is it time to sort of potentially think about bringing in an injury-prone Daniel Sturridge to the fold? That's a half joke. Don't really take it too seriously, anyone listening. 
I, I, I mean, at this stage, we're running out of options. I don't think it's the worst option we can possibly go for. No. Um, I personally wouldn't have minded Danny Welbeck, but he's gone to Brighton now, obviously. Yeah, yeah Mitro, I, I don't know. I don't quite know who's going to be more important for us because based on how Adam Adamola Lookman has started this season, you can make the argument that he's going to be our most important player because he looks like you know the only one that has a bit of quality about him at, at the very mm. least, and looks as if he gives a shit because obviously he's got to impress whoever his parent, whoever his parent club is, which is Leipzig. Am I right? I still, yeah. for some reason, I still, for some reason, I still think he's an Everton player. Oh, no, no, he was no, he signed wasn't. by Leipzig, wasn't he? Yeah, so he, um, yeah, 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 he was just. For some reason, yeah. I still think he's an Everton player. Um, but yeah, carry on on that. But yeah, Mitrovic has got to find something soon. I don't. I don't even think it may be you know just a goals thing. I think maybe if he's just in in amongst the action, if he's you know knocking balls down to Loftus Cheek to get an assist, say if he's setting if he's setting everyone up, getting the assist. So long as he's involved in the play, I think that's what we that's what we can look for. And I was listening to the game on Five Live, and Alan Pardew was making this point that basically with the way we set up with three you know defensive midfielders like of Kenny, Lamina, and Angisa, with the guys out wide, there's no one in there for Mitrovic to sort of to, to play yeah. with, as it were. So those chances for goals and assists, they're they're not going to come. And you can tell by the lack of confidence by, you know. That by that chance that he got he skied over the bar two years ago or even last year he buries that but obviously a lack of confidence and it is go blazing over. I thought Angisa actually just mentioned him there had a strange game for me. Uh, it w- looked kind of weird to me in a midfield three on the right hand side. Just there was something just quite off about Angisa this game in my <laughs> liking. But let's talk about the chances then and the lack of in. You know, the first half, we had lots of crosses into the box in the first half, and we were very short on quality. Now, this seems to be a, a new intent, a new layer to the team this season. It just isn't working, is it? I mean, like, Aina looks very short on confidence whipping it in. Robinson is a lot better defensively than Joe Bryan, but he's just not perfect for crossing, in my opinion. I think we just really miss Joe Bryan, and we miss the injured Tete at the moment, don't you think, Morgs? I mean, but the crossing is just completely just pish not fair <laughs> is it really it's um yeah. yeah it's it you can see they're trying to do it um and something's just you know it's not right um i mean the thing is tete looked brilliant when he was playing and yeah. the sooner we can get him fit and back it uh the better i think Iena, you know perhaps he still returns match fitness maybe crossing just isn't his strong point um i haven't really quite worked out what his strong point is yet yeah exactly yeah. and that's that's uh, that's another issue um mm. i think robinson he looks he looks good he's very quick which is obviously a, a benefit which um you know he can work with but if he can't doesn't have the end product you know that's yeah. that's kind of where brian was it obviously was his strong point um, and that's yeah. kind of why I was thinking Brian on left wing with Robinson behind him. And, you know, against Wolves, that looked all right for, you know, an hour. And it's it's massively frustrating when you have that type of striker to play to uh, when you can't get the crosses in properly. And I don't think, you know, Lookman, he's not really a crosser, is he? He's more of a, you know, get the uh, work the ball into the box. Exactly, you know, yeah. He, with the ball at his feet. And, and I think, you know, so going back to Lookman, he is an incredibly talented player, but I think in these type of games, we're going to get incredibly frustrated by him because playing against someone like Palace, and we all know what, um, you know, Hodgson's style's like, he's yeah. going to get um, suffocated in that type of game. He needs those open, you know, big open games to be able to sort of work his magic. In something like this, 
he's quite, you know, diminutive, for want of a better word. And I think he'll just get, you know, crowded out. And that's not going to be sort of work well to his uh, strengths. So I think overall, Palace was always going to be a hard game. From looking at it, it was always going to be a must, well, not always, but it was kind of a must win because of how yeah. badly we're doing. But playing against a Hodgson team is going to be very difficult, especially when you're low on confidence and they are incredibly organised. Yeah. And that's, you know, we can say that we had most of the ball, but they did their damage in the first eight minutes. You know, after yeah. that, anything from their point of view is a bonus. They are a one nil footballing side. And the fact is we couldn't break them down because we just didn't have the quality up front. That's quite right. And, you know, once they got the first goal, I can't remember the exact stat, but once you know, Palace go up a goal, very similar to Scott Parker last season, they they don't lose or they they, they, they really don't. I mean, they might they might end up in a draw potentially, but no, it, it was just a load of all Roy Hodgson, wasn't it? God love him. I mean, the second half was much of the same, us dominating possession, as you say, just but nothing really being created. And in the 64th minute, to be precise, it's 2-0. Uh, to the palace and naturally from a great cross but the very thing we did try to pull up ourselves all afternoon but it was fantastic what's really funny is on Fulham Focus uh, the Twitter we put out sort of our combined best 11 of the palace team and the and and, and the Fulham team and we, we we had Lookman instead of Townsend and I just feel I remember that being quite a skept I was really skeptical of that and I now know why because and just Townsend, just a brilliant pass. I mean, amazing footwork in beforehand and speed in the, into that position. But a brilliant pass between Lamina and Robertson to find Batshuayi, who crosses it in very sharply right across the goal to Saha. And Aina just lets Saha sprint towards him far too easily, in my opinion. Do you want to talk me through this goal? I mean, would you say this is just another brilliant goal or terrible defending for you, Bordeaux, mate? No, I think I think this was a bit of terrible defending, but you know, touching on what Scott Parker was saying on match of the day, Last night, you know, this team is still young. It's still getting together. You know, as I as I touched on, we still haven't got the consistency. Whereas the likes of Towns, you know, Townsend and Zaha have been putting those crosses in in training for how long have they been together? Three, four, five ish years. They yeah. must have been playing together. That's the sort of stuff that will that will come together when you know when a team like us has started to play on a consistent basis now we talked about you know Tete and Mitrovic look to be getting some sort of understanding together that goes out the window so we've got to build something new but that that was something that was always going to happen in a game like this just found out by it, it wasn't it, and it, that that's the thing it wasn't exactly great quality it was just a straightforward it wasn't a, a perfect you know David Beckham-esque pinpoint pass it was just no. drawn across the box hit and hope and if you want to talk about, you know, mistakes like, you know, losing runners for the first goal, I think the defence could have done a little bit better than keeping track of Zahar at the back post. But <clears> again, it's it's just it's just one of those things. I've, as you said earlier, Jamie, I've I've sort of lost interest in all this. It's getting, it's getting, it is getting a bit boring now. It is getting boring. Uh, well, actually, I, I just want to sort of jump in on, on someone like on someone like Andrus, Andrus Townsend. It's, it's kind of interesting because he's one of those players that has a bit of, you know, he's been at Palace now for a little while, but he was, he was kind of a bit of a journeyman player, never kind of really held down a spot for too mm. long. Yet you see him and you realise that that is a seasoned Premier League player. Yeah. And he kind of, you know, will come up against a team like us and have us for breakfast, you know, yeah. if he's on his day. And just, he kind of, it's just, it's just a shame that's what we don't have. I mean, and that's the thing, I think bringing in, uh, Loftus Cheek is one of those players who, you know, if he stays fit, has the ability to be like that for us. But we make just that don't sort of have pass, enough yeah. of those type of players. Exactly. That's it. And yeah, we just we need that sort of you know season Premier League quality. But you know, obviously, we could go into the whole um, you know transfer saga 
for as much as we like, but we haven't really signed that kind of player. And that's sort of where we are going to let ourselves down continuously mm. if we keep going back and forth between the leagues and not sign someone of that ilk. Quite. And I, it's a shame. I mean, I just look at the sort of pass that made in the position. I mean, we, we looked actually quite compact and quite in good in good positions for that goal, but it just they just created something out of nothing. And it's just something I really wish we could do. It's it's so frustrating to watch. And Aina's defensing, uh defensing, defending there. Just I think that just summed him up for the day. It was it was really, really poor in my opinion. All right, well, that second goal prompted our first change of the afternoon. It was far too late, in my opinion. This is, we'll talk about that later. Kamara comes on for Anguissa. Not the change many of us were expecting, but it did see the return of the much-missed piece of notepaper being passed around upon Kamara's arrival. Um, Kenny carried on his bright run of form, danced through the Palace defence, and ended up on his backside. But on closer inspection, it looked like he had lost his balance. His performance is one positive to take, maybe, as you were saying, Morgan. He created most chances than any player yesterday in the Premier League I've seen and he ranks second in the league for his completed passes in the attacking third with Anguissa fourth um so I, I mean Kenny an interesting one today well I mean he was he looked a lot brighter in some ways but I still think he just needs to wake up a bit to the Premier League don't you well I mean we'll come on to the goal but it's just something for me that's just not you know I want to shake him yeah I mean but you could say that about a lot of the team as well but he has he has looked a lot brighter um, or more more accomplished, maybe I think is better mm. way to describe it. Um, in these games that he did, pretty much the whole of the Premier League season uh, last time round, and he seems to—I don't know whether he's kind of realised his limitations at this level, or maybe, I don't know. You know, if he's still nursing this injury or whatever it is, uh, mm. but he. He's kind of settled down, and it's not the tone um, Tom Kearney that we had uh, playing for us in 2016, 17, 17, 18. But he's, uh, you know, it's almost like a sort of a mature version thereof. Uh, he certainly does need to be more captainy, uh, but I don't think we're ever going to get that no. type of player out of him. And so I think when it comes to what we're seeing from him, I think we should just be quite happy that we're actually seeing a player who seeming relatively on form, even if it's not sort of quite the player that we expected or wanted from, you know, a couple yeah. of years back. Yeah, I get that. I mean, it is, it's looking better than it was for sure, but it's just still that, you know, there, there is just a lack of leadership on the pitch. It doesn't have to be from him necessarily, but it's just, it's very frustrating to watch. I mean, I, I guess, sort of what, sorry, jumping in there, but what I'm sort of um, thinking is that, he, uh, whilst he's not irreplaceable, he's mm. not now causing the argument that he shouldn't be playing at all. Yeah, which is I agree. What was coming over recent times, and actually, when I see his name on the team sheet, I'm not grimacing. I'm going, okay, if he's playing in that role, uh, just sort of next to Angisa, then I'm happy to see him there. But in the role he's playing yesterday, I, you know, I think that's harking back to a time when you know he was a certain type of player, but he isn't mm. that anymore. That yeah. being said, I do I do still think we could do a lot better than Tom Kearney. I, I put me fair, you know, heavily in the well, not Tom Kearney out camp, but Tom Kearney very skeptical camp. Mm-hmm. I, I, maybe this is maybe this is the case of the whole of the whole thing. But even going back to last season, it just hasn't it just hasn't been there with Tom Kearney. The form that we saw in you know 2016, 17, 17, 18, I don't know what it is, but that mojo's just gone. Maybe you know mentally that disastrous first season in the Premier League took it out of him. But it's just not there. And 
you you say you're happy to see him on the team sheet. If I'm being honest, I'm not. I think there are a lot you know better options that we can that we can have out there than than Tom Kearney. Um, yeah, but uh, with uh, Harrison just... Reed not fit, where would you, and obviously if he's playing that role next to Angisa, who would you have there instead at the moment? Given who's registered in the team, not given so given who's registered, I would I would I know I know Caviero's got a lot of stick, but I would have Caviero and Lookman wide, Loftus Cheek as a sort of second striker slash number ten, and then Reed and Lamina or Reed and Angisa or basically any of the midfield. Any of the midfielders, you know, basically not Tom Kearney. I'd have them two mm. there. So forty-three-one. That's me. That's me personally. Yeah. Well, look, our second change was Bobby Reed on for Ruben Loftus Cheek, uh, and that for me very bizarre. I don't know what Loftus Cheek's thinking you know, for Bobby Reed to come on for him. No offense, Bobby. Um, uh, you know, he on the right-hand side for us for me completely wasted. Had a pretty invisible game for me I didn't get the best from him at all um the final change saw Harrison Reed come on for Lamina Lamina had an absolute stinker for me uh with 12 minutes to go um but I thought Harrison Reed looked bright um it's actually quite interesting to see him on the field again I think it's do you think it's arguable we've got ahead of ourselves a bit and forgotten how important Harrison Reed is for us I mean I thought he looked uh, you know a lot quicker and a lot I mean I would like to see him now he's fit it would be a lot better to see him and Angisa in that sort of double pivot role for me Morgs. what do you think and just your general thoughts on those substitutions with Bobby Reed loved his cheek. I mean, I think when you bring Bobby Reed on, then you're sort of grasping at straws a bit. Um, when you when you bring Harrison Reed on and you're two 0 down, then I'm really not quite sure what to make of that. And mm. it's you know, I like Harrison Reed a lot. He was incredibly important last year, and I really hope that that injury he's just had has blown over and we see him back in the team again uh, regularly. But I mean, they're nothing substitutions, really, aren't they? You, yeah. they're not. You don't sort of bring a defensive midfielder on when you're two 0 down to you know to do anything other than play for a two 0 loss. I mean, it it was just it, well, the, the bench is the bench is shocking, mate. <laughs> yeah, the bench, the bench is shit. Yeah, the bench is absolutely shocking. But, I mean, like well, who else? Oh, I mean, I can't remember who else was on the bench, but it was maybe it was sort of oh, it was Le Marchand. It was. Obviously, Rodak and oh, yeah, get him on. Yeah, we, we had no, <laughs> yes, yeah, just stick Maxime up front. I mean, whatever, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's the the, the that uh, I mean, obviously, Lamina he did nothing. I mean, when someone mentioned oh, he hasn't been taken off at half time, I was like, I didn't realize he was on the pitch to be honest. He was, yeah, so non existent, and whether that's a fitness thing or whatever, but he just he did nothing. And it's I just really so frustrating because he seemed to have quite a good game when he came on for the second half against Sheffield. I think I was like, "Oh, this looks good. Let me looks good." Then he starts the game and he's absolute cack. I don't. It's just it's it's doing my head in this season already, mate. It's absolutely. Awful. I mean, so I mean, let's talk about the red card. Um, hold, on, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've got some stuff. I got some stuff. Okay, yeah, go on. This, 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 this. Um, kill ourselves more. I just want to. I just want to carry on literally with the script that we have in front of you. That was wonderfully prepared by our uh, boss and overlord, uh, Frenchie. Um, it says here, I wonder what Loftus-Cheek makes of his decision to come here at the moment. I think, in all fairness, I think Loftus-Cheek knew what he was getting in for. I don't think this could be a massive shock that the team he's joining is absolutely terrible. So I don't, th- I don't think it's hit him hard. I think he knew what he was getting in for. But on the, on the whole Harrison Reed thing, you know, Morgan said, you know, the only thing you're bringing him on for is in that situation is to preserve a two nil loss. I think mm. because Harrison Reed's been injured recently, I think this was literally just one of these, you know, get him back up to fitness so that he can start, you know, it was it's West Brom next 
Monday night, isn't it? Yeah, West Brom's the next game. So get him fit, you know, match fit to be ready for basically the rest of the season. That's basically what I think Scott Parker did is just, you know, this game is gone. You know, let's just focus on what's going on in the future now. Mm, yeah. Okay. I, I, I can buy that. I could buy that. I, I, I think it's, I think it's interesting to see him come on. I, I was, I've got a good feeling that hopefully he can actually do good for us this season still. But I mean, God knows. I mean, another person I always keep saying who I think is going to do good for us this season is obviously <laughs> Bubakar Kamara, which is I always joke about that. Uh, <laughs> he's like, you know, uh, uh, 88 minute red card. It's definitely a red card, isn't it? I mean, it was VAR and everything. I mean, VAR hasn't been kind to us so far this season, but I think this one got absolutely spot on. I mean, what the fuck is he doing? What do you think, Morgan? It was a bad challenge by a bad footballer. And I will say this, I will say this as eloquently as possible. Um, I've been thinking about this for a while and (laughs) I would actually, having thought back to some of the players that have played for us over the last 20 years or 19 years, whatever, since we entered the Premier League, since our Premier League era began under Tagana, I would say that Abubakar Kamara is the least talented footballer who's held down a regular spot in the Fulham first 11 wow. who playing in the Premier League. I think he is the idea <laughs> that he was the diamond in the rough. And I say that in all seriousness with a sort of like you know, tear in my eye because I wanted that man to be good because he's big and he's strong, but mm. he's, he is, I don't know, he's making a living. He, you know, he's joking through it and it's just sort of like, I can't watch him come onto a pitch in the Premier League anymore and actually <laughs> yeah. take it seriously because he just has no idea. He is the, the bull in the China shop act should have gone after one or two seasons and it just keeps mm. going and he adds nothing in terms of quality and he might sort of get, come up with the odd goal, but he, he doesn't, he won't sort of do anything other than cause a little bit of a ruckus for the players. And then he doesn't really do anything because the premier league players, premier league defenders are so able to deal with that kind of thing. Championship players, yeah, maybe. Mm. Uh, you might, you might sort of shake them up a bit. But, you know, you get a Premier League defender and they see someone like Abubakar Kamara and they realise that he's going to, you know, um, his touch is going to go all over the place. They will just gobble it up for breakfast. And I yeah. think the quicker he doesn't play again, and I was quite happy with the straight red because that is a three-game ban and we may not see him for a good while and then maybe there's other options. But... It may sound harsh, but I mean, that guy, he's, <laughs> he just has not improved. And it frustrates me no end that he still keeps getting on the pitch. And that is why I was annoyed that Knockhart went, because I think he is a much better option. He, yeah. may, you know, he may frustrate you, but at least he can keep the ball near him. And you know, that's why I just, I, you know, Abubakar ran over for this week, but I just I think he, he just needs to go. I mean, you made your point, as you said, quite eloquently. But I would still have it. I would still rather have him over Anthony into Rosette Knockhart, personally. I yeah, I mean, think, you, you say, say Anthony holds on to say, the ball, but yeah, I mean, he does. Yeah, put you it say into Diamond in the rough. I'm, I'm still holding on to that. I still think uh, maybe it's delusion. Maybe it's being hit on the head too many times when I was playing American football. But I do still think that he there is something there from Abubakar Kamara. I'm not giving up on him yet. 
I think we're just falling in love with the idea that he, because he's big and hench, that he somehow re- <laughs> resembles Adama Traore and he's going to turn into that sort of player. It's just not. It's just he needs not, the baby not... oil. That's all he needs. Just add the yeah. baby oil. Like, like <laughs> oh, in Space Jam. Baby oil. He'd slip over himself. That's the problem. Like, no, like in Space Jam, Michael Jordan's magic stuff. That's what we need. He just needs the baby oil. That's all he needs. Did they drink baby yeah. oil in that? I thought it was just they're uh, drinking some sort of like juice or something. I mean, make the analogy. Oil. It's the it's. It was a terrible <laughs> joke by me, but you can make the leap. Well, no, it's good. I mean, this we we need jokes right now because this has been a, just a terrible game of football for us and a dreadful result. I mean, the, the, the positives are Kenny scored a belter right at the end. That was nice, wasn't it? And and we've scored at the cottage this season, lads. That's nice. That's good. Hey. Uh, what, what what other positives are there? Um, six hundred and forty-three passes we made this game. Yippee! That, that's wow. good news, isn't it? Yeah. Any any yeah. other positives you can think of? A- a- anything? Anyone? Uh, um, I mean, the stand looks like it's going up quickly. It does I mean, actually, doesn't good. it? Yeah. Yeah. There's a bit of structure behind there. Good. So, in you know, two years' time, when uh, we're you know, we put a vaccine and we can go to grounds and yeah, we can you know social distance in that stand because no one will be going anyway. Uh, it'll be great. Mm. <laughs> any any positives for you, Bordo, in this game? Anything that you could just be like, oh, that that's that's great. Um, only the only the Tom Kearney goal that hopefully he's going to realise that, or you know, the team can realise that shooting from outside the box is an option now. Because again, again, this Scott Parker, I, this this is the frustrating thing. He said it on match of the day afterwards. So why isn't he implement? You know, when you're playing a, a low block team like Crystal Palace and all that stuff, you know you're not mm. going to get chances inside the box. So take your chances outside the box. Then why did it take until the 95th minute for someone to actually do something about it? I mean, for God's sake, yeah. I do sound like a broken record, but I have been going on about this for for the, it feels like two years now, and we saw what happened in the you know latter stages of last season with the likes of the Harry Arter goal and Cyrus Christie away at QPR. If you take a shot, no one is going to blame you because you at least tried, rather than this whole passing it 10, 10 yards out. Someone, someone on Twitter, I can't remember who brought it up on the WhatsApp group. Um, it may have been you, but someone on Twitter, and I want to give them credit. If you if you are the person that made it, by all means, fair credit to you. But in this age of possession, football sort of thing, they mm-hmm. made the point that in this age, basically teams don't teams and players don't want to don't want to have those shots. They'd much rather keep the ball, go for a 10-yard pass, rather than effectively giving the ball away. But in those situations, when the opportunity's there, just fucking take them. Yeah, well, not quite. take them, but at least try and take them. This this move on to Parker. Before we actually do the Parker rating, because we'll go into so many, we'll go into we'll stem off into different territories and stuff, and we'll just we'll do the Parker rating last. The the talking points in Parker in his post match interview, he said he that Palace players blockers, and he talked that he you know he seemed frustrated. Um, he was obviously trying to set up a bit to beat them. Are the players just not good enough to carry out his instructions, or are his instructions crap? I mean, on on the WhatsApp group, we said you agree with me this, Morgan. I'd like to know what Baldo thinks. You know, you said it's not the players; it's the football we're playing. And eventually, I feel like this is going to come to a head. I think West Brom now is huge. If uh, personally, if we lose against West Brom, he's gone. I don't care if he's got a three-year contract. I don't care if it stinks of Ranieri again. That this football is is so t- is so awful that I think it's really it's really crunch time for him. I just want to know your thoughts and on what Parker's mindset is. I mean, we keep, everyone's like, oh, we need some consistency. Parker's got this, some people say anyway. But Parker actually, if you look at the facts, he's changed formation and strategy each game so far. Um, against, you know, you've got against uh, 
So, I mean, against Arsenal, it was a 4-2-3-1. And then Leeds, it was 4-2-3-1 again, but we had a completely different tactic to that. Villa, we went to 3-4-3. And the, bear in mind, the lineups kept changing in these games. We, we didn't stick with the same lineup hardly at all. Then in Wolves, it was 4-2-3-1 again, but we went to a 4-5-1 without the ball. Sheffield United, 3-4-3. You know, and, and now we're back. And, and this game, against Palace, it's 4-3-3. I just, I'm not really seeing, I, I think this is a perfect storm waiting to happen. I feel like, you know, he's got Hector at the moment that is out of favour and he's just not really giving any comment about him. I, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling now, but I'd just like to know your general thoughts on Scott Parker, really, Morgan, and I'll go to Baldo. Or Baldo, if you go, no, go no, first. Sorry, yeah, no, Baldo, sorry, you go ahead first. I, th- I, th- I think there is an, there, there's an element of both sides. I think he has been dealt... A bad hand. I don't. I don't want to go on a rant about Tony Khan because that's that's been done to death. Yeah, but we've done I that. Do think he has. Yeah, exactly. Let's just say he's been dealt a bad hand with the players he's got. Fine, but at some level, it does have to be on Scott Parker to get you know somewhat the best out of out of the players. Could this just be a fact that he's not you know still new in management because he's only been in charge for what? Um, call it 18 twenty months, months eighteen, 20, twenty months. Yeah, so. Give you know, cut him some slack, but at the end, but at the end of the day, there has got to be stuff like he was a player for you know the best best part of twenty years. There must be some things that you know he must have been in situations like this where he can see right if the game's going this way, I need to mm-hmm. change it this way because in a game in two thousand and four we did this and it worked out for us sort of thing. So there is some, there is some element there on there on Scott on Scott Parker. Um, because he should be he should be in a position to be able to change things, but at the same time, you say it's a perfect storm come to head. I I've said I said this on Twitter yesterday. I'm not going to call for Scott Parker to go. I think, given the way that his contract was set up, this is a long term thing. The you know bad recruitment ahead of um, on top of him rather uh, the change around in the summer. He was always going to be backs against the wall. So he get not a pass so to say for this season, but he. He gets a little bit. He gets a little bit of credit or a little bit of slack cut on his behalf. So okay. if so, so I so I'm not going to be calling for you know anyone to t- anyone to take over. But he does have to show something going forward. You know, I said when he took over first time that if he got to I think it was 25 points, then that would show that he's you know progressing something. I didn't want to just see good performances. I wanted to see results as well, and he got those results. It's going to mm. be the same here. Yes, performances can improve once we've got a settled team and all that sort of stuff, but we need some results to go with it. So I think that's really what's going to be important from now on. But even if he doesn't get those results, I'm sticking by him. But that's all me. Right. That's my that's my rant over. No, they're good. Unto you, Morgan. Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Boulder. I would not call for his head because I said at the beginning of the season that I wouldn't because I wanted to see a bit of consistency. I wanted to see a bit of backing of our manager that we hadn't seen in a Khan era Premier League season before. It's pretty hard going at the moment and I'm very tempted to, you know, go hypocritical on myself, but I won't. Uh, I won't be surprised if he goes, but at the same time, I would like to see him get it right. And I'm willing to sort of, you know, be the patient type for it to go the whole season because I don't think, um, uh, you know, a change will do that much. I think if he can keep the players on his side, great. And, you know, from there, hopefully he can build this team into something that 
is respectable. I think at the moment we're not. We're embarrassing ourselves in a lot of these games. And I think we need to sort that out very quickly. But at the same time, he he is a you know he's respected amongst mm. you know uh, in the league. He's respected by players, and I think you know he does need to do something, and he does need to find out his best team. He's got to find out his best formation. You know, we always say, "Oh, he hasn't got a plan B. He hasn't got a plan C." Well, it turns out he's got about you know ten plans at the moment, but he can't yes. settle on which one is actually working. And I think he needs to have two or three solid ideas. He needs to go with one, trust it, and then hopefully that can help build it. But I, you know, you're right. We can't keep blaming the players because there are some decent players in there. And if you sort of look at the sort of the squad matched up with, say, the Sheffield United squad, man for man from last year, you know, we've essentially got more quality in there. But they were obviously a lot better and they were you know they were a team and yes we've got a lot of new players it, you know it's kind of looking very similar to 2018-19 in that sense yeah. um uh was it 2018-19 yeah it was wasn't it? it was yeah and it seemed at the you know at the time that we were going to give those players who took us up a chance but very quickly that seems to have gone by the wayside and it's not sort of the series and the you know old Anguissa, the one that wasn't very good, or you know Chambers or whatever. It's you know we've got some new players who come in, and it's that it seems maybe it's because we spent less money on them that people aren't quite as uh, you know thinking mm-hmm. they're going to sort of shake things up as much um, and actually sort of blend in a bit. But at the end of the day, we've come up, we've made the similar mistake in terms of um, number of players we've brought in, um, yeah. and it hasn't added the quality, but that's not to say that they can't because I think there are some decent players in there, but it's up to Parker now to get that right. But I think as you say, we lose to West Brom, that three year contract could be torn straight up. And 100%. I don't think, yeah, I don't think Khan's going to have an issue with that. Um, I think he will blame everyone but himself at this point. And I think tearing up a three year contract uh, because of what's happening uh, will be, you know, the least of his worries i think you know yes, it seems yeah. the relationship is a little bit fractured anyway uh after what we seem to think was actually quite a good one so we will you know it I, will I, be even, I completely forgot about that I, I, I even forgot about the the tweets that you made and scott parker being annoyed yes it's been god it's we're well, six games in and it just feels it feels like it, it could actually be worse than 1819 in some ways with the drama that's going ensuing um my, there, there's something wrong on. at the club that's a, there is something wrong at the club and I think it does rather than I can't get into this whole Tony Khan thing again. But the thing is, this doesn't happen when you have, you know, a bit of solidity behind the scenes. This mm-hmm. it's all too all over the place. It's being done uh from across the pond because obviously Tony Khan can't come over to the UK at the moment. Um he's doing his other stuff. It's getting in you know, no one really knows if they're coming or going, it would seem. Um yeah. and that needs to be sorted out. And I think it's good that there's no, you know, now we're out of transfer windows. There's none of that nonsense going on. But I think there's something up at the club that needs to be sorted. And it'd be really interesting to hear from ex-employees uh, or players or whatever as to what is happening there. Mm. You know, obviously, not disclosures and all that, probably sort of say you can't, but to have a bit of an idea if it is as rosy as kind of, you know, friendly Fulham Football Club makes us out to be or if there is yeah. actually something that is very rotten that needs to be sorted. Because whilst I love the fact that we have an ownership that is willing to invest in the club, 
um, you know, from yeah. the pitch upwards. We're lucky but in that regard. If yeah. this keeps, well, we are, and we sort of, and we have, um, you know, with family ownership in the sense that it is a, uh, you know, family that wants to be involved in the running of the club rather than just handing it off to someone else and not caring about it and just waiting for the checks to come in. This, but the thing is, it only works if there is solidity in the club. And right now, it just does not seem that we have that. And until those sort of things are rectified, we will not be able to become a decent Premier League team. And we will end up going back down to the Championship. It's a lottery to see if we come up. So far, we've been lucky that we've come up twice in three seasons. But it won't happen every time like that. And it Mm. seriously cannot keep going because... It's just, it's not good for the players. It's not good for the staff. It's not good. Well, the fans will go over it. You know, we will watch us, you know, if we're shit or great. And yeah. <laughs> it's it's just, it's no way to bring in players if they don't believe there's consistency within the team. And I think there is so much that needs to be sorted out. And looking at the pitch is the only glimmer of it that we get. So hopefully yeah. it can be sorted, but I think there's a long way to go yet. That's my rambling. Oh, no, no, that's good. <laughs> good. Good from both of you. Boy, boy, boy. Uh, all right, well, let, let's get... Baldo, give us your Parker rating. Um, I think he, I, I think he gets a five. I mean, I don't, again, there's some, again to, to some extent, he's having, as I mentioned earlier, he's having his hands tied behind his back. There's some injuries and things not coming right. He's got to still work things out with new players coming in. So he gets a little bit, a little bit of leeway that on that end, but as I mentioned earlier, his in-game management, his in-game adjustments, as it were, you know, leaving substitutions that late and yeah, you know, tweaking defensive setups and all that sort of stuff, that's got that's got to be on him. So he gets points taken off for me. So I say five. I'm going to go three uh, for those reasons, but I'm just more angry about them, and I feel like. Uh generally i'm sick of this football now they're like i can't i can't ever see us scoring a goal to be honest um i know today arguably um you know Mitro misses an open goal we had a man taken off because of var but it was actually the right call um you know we hit the post twice on another day it could have been a draw maybe you could have had three points but the point is i keep saying this about all the games on another day this and another day that we could have maybe got a draw against uh wolves we could have maybe won against sheffield but the fact is we're not and I'm really quite bored of it. The substitutions, in my opinion, were t- uh, terribly late and not good ones. And having Loftus-Cheek on the right was a complete disaster for me. So for me, three out of ten. Morgs, what would you give him, mate? I'll just go down the middle because I was going to say three, but let's be original. I'll go four. Uh, oh, it's he. You know, he. What I did like was the fact that it was a fairly consistent lineup. Obviously, with the one change, um, four change, but he seemed to know how to that what crystal palace were going to do yet he didn't have the ability to implement it within his team and yeah. i put that down as a parker error um if he knows how they're going to play you work out the best way to counter that and clearly we didn't do that and totally. it's totally. you know it's banging our heads against a brick wall week after week because he seems to know what to do just doesn't know how to do it um and yeah. i think he does have some of the players that are able to do that he just hasn't really got it into them to do it and so yeah i think a five is generous three yeah sure uh but i will give him i'll give him a four just for that okay guys well i mean look hopefully it's not another brick in the wall next week i mean if if it is then you know we know what's going to happen it's, it's inevitable but i you know I, I don't want scott parker to get sacked 
I kind of do as well, <laughs> but I do, I do want him to do, I, I, I want him to do well. I want us to win the next game, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not thrilled about what's happening. I can't see us actually surviving with him in charge, but that's just me. That is just me, lads. Um, let's, let's call it a day. Let, oh, go on, Morgs. Go on. I guess, I guess, no, I guess I'm just thinking, I'm just, you wonder now, what does he say to these players tomorrow when they're back on the training ground? What, what mm. does he say to them to bring their spirits back up and to basically get them playing a style of football or effectiveness of football that will beat a team who is, you know, no better than us. What does he do to outmanage Bilic this time around? I, 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 I couldn't even begin to imagine what he's thinking. I mean, like, I mean, like, I mean, the only thing I could think of is like, is I had a great Chinese on Saturday. If you want to talk about that, but I don't, I don't know. I have no, I have no idea. I have no idea what he's going to be saying to these players. I just feel like with. I, I don't know. If, if, look, it might all just start clicking. It might start gelling. If we do the same things that we've been doing, we might actually score three goals. Who knows? I just don't see it. I don't see it. Uh, it's 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 going to be a tough, tough game, that. And you've got West Brom playing Brighton, I believe, tonight? No, tomorrow, isn't it? Tomorrow. It's on Monday, I yeah. think. Tomorrow. Yeah, okay. Monday night. So, I mean, if... Monday night, so we'll we'll see, we'll see. But look, guys, look, thank you very much, Johnny. Thank you to my lovely co-hosts, the Mr. Morgan and Mr. Baldo. We will be back midweek to do a preview of West Brom. God help us all with Frenchie at the helm. So if you like what you listen to, please tell your friends about us. We're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're on all the social media outlets. Please give us a like, give us a follow, and keep spreading the word. Thanks for now, and see you soon.